0: Respectful obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all of you, the Vaishnavas. Hare Krishna. So during the kirtan, uh, when I looked up at some point, and uh, I noticed that uh, some of you were, most of you, almost all of you, were either smiling, clapping, or just uh, absorbed in the mantra. And then uh, I was aware that there was some power in the mantra. Although I was concentrating on singing then, by seeing your reaction, I felt uh, inspired. And uh, one of the ways in which Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recommended that we stay inspired is by distributing Krishna Consciousness to others. Because, in the process, we notice again and again, how it affects people, many of whom have never come in contact with Transcendental Sound Vibration, or the demeanor of a devotee, the lifestyle of a devotee, and, and when we see their reaction, then we remember what it's like to come in contact with the sound of the spiritual world for the first time. Do you, do you all remember a time when you first heard the Hare Krishna mantra or saw a devotee and there was a nudge in your heart or maybe even more, could have been even fireworks going off, where you felt that this is, this is not nothing, nor is it ordinary. And it's, it's extremely special. Any of you had that experience? I had been looking for Krishna consciousness and then a friend of mine, I mean, I didn't know I was looking for Krishna consciousness, but I, I was looking for something. And when a friend of mine brought me a magazine from the Hare Krishna movement, I immediately felt that exhilaration that is, This is what I've been looking for. And so, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recommends that we go out of our way to put this in the ears and the hands of others as artfully, as gently, as lovingly as possible. That helps. As people in the world today are used to, or in the material world in general, being exploited. And people always have a sense that uh, somebody, although they may offer something, they want something back. And when uh, all we want actually is for people to be happy, which is what Prabhupada said his mission was, and he quoted a verse from the Vedic Shastra that said the mission of those who are spreading Krishna consciousness is to see everybody happy in the whole world. It's a a time when people's hearts are touched and they start to realize more of their potential in life. Just when we came to Irvine, Nirkul and I flew down from San Francisco and I happened to have put a few books in my bag, spiritual books like Perfection of Yoga. And when I was getting off the flight, a flight attendant at the front. You know how they all say, bye-bye? Okay, bye, bye-bye. And she stopped me, even though there were people behind me and said, I've been meaning to ask you, what is that? What do you have, do you have on your nose? And I didn't have much time because we were just pushing out the door. And I said, oh, it's sacred clay. She said, from where? And I said, from India. And then I was pushed out the door. But once I got outside I put my bag down and I said, she's getting a book. So, I had to go back upstream. You know what it's like if you put your bag too far back on the flight? And, and people were like, what, what are you doing? We don't do this. And I was like, I have to. I felt compelled and the reason was I had a perfection of yoga in my bag. And I was thinking as I, was, as I handed it to her and she was surprised to see me back but delighted and I, I saw that look in her face That wow th- this is uh, unusual and you know she just received a gift and as I was walking back up the galleyway that's what you call it there was uh, I had this thought that she received something valuable and then I remembered the value of it and I thought maybe I should read it and I was also thinking of the completeness of a book. Human Books are beloved in human society. You may have noticed, at least I have, that if somebody gives me a book that I don't really want, it's really hard to get rid of. I mean, where do you put it? Of course, you could take it down and give it to the library or sell it or something like that, but it's, it's difficult. Cause, and also, I remember going through school I get a bunch of books. Barely had time to read them all because it's always pushing, push, always pushing on to the next lesson. But I saved them. I even saved a lot of them. My wife doesn't always appreciate that. But you know, because I have this sense that you know someday I'll go back and and I'll suck out all the knowledge. I'll get it. And humans have that. They have that push for knowledge. They have a sense that. It, if I get knowledge, if I get the right information, then I can be happy. In most cases, the kind of knowledge and information that people get is a instructional of how to organize one's life. In this realm, this means the material world. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna certifies that no matter how hard you try, from the topmost area of this world down to the lowest, it's not gonna work out. And so the information that most people get about how to organize their lives, how to use the resources of the world in ways that they can benefit more, it doesn't bring full satisfaction. What people are really looking for is that information that will show them how to uh, break the bonds that are that keep us working hard. And in our working hard, we also have a sense that I'm really ultimately not getting anywhere. That sense may come up, but I don't have an alternative. There's nothing else for me to do really, except for to go along with what's in front of me right now. I have to take care of my immediate needs and perhaps I have the luxury of thinking of extended needs. But then there's also a nagging feeling that no matter how well I am able to organize the energy and no matter how much I accumulate, then it will be unceremoniously taken away. Did anybody ever think like that? I know all of you do this causes what's called cognitive dissonance. There's a sense that although I think I'm doing something and I'm working really hard at it, I am doing something, it seems to be for naught. And it might be taken away. Cognitive dissonance comes up in a lot of ways. One of the ways psychologists mention it is smoking is an example because smoking, as Srila Prabhupada used to say, there was a brand of cigarettes which was called cool spelled with a k which is cool in and of itself and he said they're smoking cigarettes and they're thinking it is cool but they're breathing in hot fire so that doesn't make a lot of sense but everybody knows at least should know that it's injurious to health in fact there was a law passed I think when I was a kid that they had to put on the package of each cigarette, on each cigarette package they had to put a warning. Have you ever noticed that? Well, in some countries that's not enough. I saw in the Duty Free, I think it was in India or Europe. They where? In Thailand, they take actual pictures of people who have been eviscerated because of cancer and their lungs are exposed and it's a major part of the cigarette package. And it's a a kind of cognitive dissonance that is two competing ideas that are at odds with one another. I guess that's what competing would mean. But you see the cart come down the aisle on the airplane and then you see people's lungs hanging out and the cigarettes and they're going, who would like to buy a package of cigarettes? (laughs) And this is uh, at odds with our self-interest. Nonetheless, there's something that compels me to take it anyway. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, actually Arjuna, brings up the question, why, why does this happen to me? Why do I feel impelled to take things that aren't good for me? And Krishna says there's a force in the world that when contacted, I'll say it in the not in a passive voice, when we contact this power called rajas, it inflames us and it makes us reach out to try to find happiness by interacting with various objects of the senses in the world. Despite the fact that no matter how much I get, I'm never satisfied, there's still the sense I'm being spurred to try it again and do more. This is called rajas. And so Krishna says, that's the problem. When you contact that energy, and it gets in you, and it is the filter through which you see the world. And therefore he said, you have to make some priorities. And so he gives us a a sense of hierarchy in our own apparatus called the material body. And he says, Indriyani paramanaha manasastu para saha. So, this is a description of a hierarchy, which starts with our senses. And he's, he, Krishna, says, above the senses is the mind, above the mind is the intelligence, and above the intelligence is you, the soul. And you're the animator of the body. And you're also the observer of the body. You can objectify the body, the mind, the intelligence, the senses, and see that they're separate from you. So Krishna says this is an understanding that is important to have, first of all. And then he says, evam buddhi param matmana jahishatram mahabaho kamarupam dirasadam that you should fortify your intelligence and develop discrimination by understanding what the consequences of your actions are in the world. Think of the word consequence. There's a sequence that unfolds from whatever we do, from whatever we touch, whatever we think about, and so forth in the world. And Krishna describes one of those consequences from just the titillation of the senses, which is what uh, maybe Oreo cookies are all about. Um, just some sense satisfaction, no nutritional value, no offense to anybody who's a fan of Oreos, but he says, which means that when you're getting your pleasure from sparsha, or just touching the world with your senses, so this is a Sort of an alarming statement. So if you don't feel like being alarmed and you want to remain serene, then just cover your ears for a sec. So yoni means the womb and dukkha means misery. So he gives this metaphor that when you interact with the world with the idea that you'll be happy by touching it or organizing it so you can touch it even more, then he says... Something's born from that interaction. From the womb of that interaction comes dukkha or misery. Kind of the opposite of what I had hoped for. Right? And therefore he says, adhyanta vanta kantea nate An intelligent person notices that there's a beginning and an end to all types of pleasure in the world and therefore... He or she decides that I won't participate on that level. So what to do? Uh, One has to have some engagement for the senses. And Krishna mentions this to Arjuna in the Gita that you can't just stop acting and you can't stop tasting. So what do you do? Well, you use your senses in Yajna, in service, service to the Supreme. And you can, in bhakti yoga, use all of your senses for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. Now, at first that may sound like, well, what do I get out of this? Did anybody think like that? Thank you. So, what's in it for me? Well, what's in it for us is that Krishna is known atmanam akilatmanam. Krishna is the soul of our soul. So think how hard you work to satisfy yourself. And it's, it's a religion, actually. What's your religion? Taking care of myself. Trying to be happy somehow or other. Uh, I'm, I'm so absorbed in that, that uh, I worship my body because I'm in it, even though I'm not my body. And everything that I identify as mine becomes more important than all other things in the world. Have you ever noticed that? Please say yes. This is worth noting because it's a phenomenon that Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita is uh, the root of our problems. We're disoriented and we've forgotten what our real self is. We have a source. So I'll give you an example. I have a hand and I really appreciate it. And the relationship with my hand works like this. Come here, hand. Did you see that? I'll show you again. Don't blink. Come here, hand. Thank you very much. I'll do it one more time. Come here, hand. He came, right? Now watch. Come here, hand. Come here, hand. I have a problem now, don't I? Hand doesn't come. And we are... A part of Krishna, just like the hand is part of my body. So if Krishna says, uh, Come here, little Jiva, and we say, "Mm, Not right now, (laughs) (laughs) then this is called a diseased condition of life. But when we're in cooperation with Krishna as his limbs, then we feel naturally satisfied and happy. I'll give you another example of a tiny little screw. Srila Prabhupada used to give an example about the value of a screw. Is anybody here familiar with eBay? Because I got a bunch of stuff to sell. See me afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) How much can you get on eBay for a little screw that you find on is this Pacific Avenue? PCH. You find a little screw on PCH, just right to the center of one of the lines. It's been run over about 500 times on the pavement, and you pick it up as you're crossing the crosswalk. How much do you get on eBay for the little screw, approximately? Nothing, zero. However, that little screw had its glory days because it belonged to some machine somewhere. Maybe it was in uh, a projector, or maybe it was on a motorcycle. Maybe it held, what, your mechanical. <laughs> maybe it was part of some cooking apparatus. Something, it, it worked somewhere, and that screw, when engaged in its original machine was inestimably valuable. You don't wanna take it out, where'd the screw go? Oh no, now we gotta start all over. The screw when connected to its original machine is valuable. And when it falls out and separated and disoriented from its original purpose, you can't get $2.32 for it on eBay. I mean, you could try. You could probably do it. Advertise it on social media. um, And someone might take it. So that's, as Prabhupada used to say, our position when we forget that we're part of Krishna. And that when we work to satisfy Krishna's senses, we enjoy. So Krishna's... Uh, Govinda. His name is Govinda. One of the meanings of Govinda is one who satisfies the senses. So it's a science of actually how to be happy and how to find real sense gratification. And it takes knowledge and some practice. Knowledge means reminding oneself, hearing from wisdom, from the Bhagavad Gita, from the Srimad Bhagavatam about what our real self-interest is, And then there's practical ways in which to engage the senses so we feel a deep sense of happiness and peace. And that's called bhakti yoga. And anybody can do it from any position because we already are spiritual beings and we already are, already are, parts and parcels of Krishna. And all we have to do is begin to act in that position. You know, when I meet people... And introduce them to Bhagavad Gita. Which I guarantee is the most fun you can ever have in the world. Just to go to any place in the world. And set up a little shop. Like people set up shops all over the world. I see in India. The little... People sell beetle nuts. I guess it's a little intoxication. And they have these... A little stand where they sell a roll of this packet. Something you can ingest at it. Apparently gives you some sense of, uh, I don't know, never tried one. What do you get from that? <laughs> Something, there's some stimulant in it. And so people have these little stands and I always see like 10 in a row and I think like, how do they even do that? Who's gonna go to all these stands? But they get a tiny little profit and somehow they go on. Everyone has some little business going on here in the world. So, if we transfer that sense of engagement into a serving Krishna, then we'll actually get real profit and we'll naturally feel happy from the process of, of Krishna consciousness. So, uh, when I'm going out to distribute Bhagavad Gita, I set up a little shop somewhere. That's a, I went on a loop and I distracted myself. So when I meet people and I introduce them to the Bhagavad Gita, I won't say the whole sequence, but as I'm offering it to them, I say to them, you look spiritual. Now I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, you look spiritual. Go ahead and try it. You look spiritual. How do you feel right now? Spiritual. So you know that light's on, right? Okay, so what, have you ever had this happen? You, you come out of your apartment, house, boat, wherever you live, and someone looks at you and you go, you look tired, <laughs> have you ever had that? Don't you hate that? The, the, Ken, you really look tired. So, how do you feel after that? Because oh you're looking in the mirror and go, "God, I do look terrible," you know. Or worse, somebody that comes up and like, "You really look bad. You look terrible. How do you feel? Really bad." But there's this magic that happens when you tell somebody, "You look spiritual." Number one, they are spiritual because we're not our bodies. We're actually spiritual beings inhabiting a body. But we forgot. So when you say to somebody, you look spiritual, here's what happens. Instant (laughs) self-realization. You'll see it any, go to any street corner, just say, excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, I just want to tell you something. You look spiritual and you see what happens. They'll look down and they go, I forgot. I'm actually from the spiritual world. I am spiritual. Thanks for reminding me. That's, how quickly one can become Krishna conscious is by remembering actually i 'm spiritual i don 't have anything to do with the interaction and the senses and the body it 's like if you see two big tractors outside in a construction zone, you know if there's some erotic music, what are they they have the you know the cranes and the heavy equipment, so you know. What if there was some interaction between the two and they're like bumping into each other or something? Two tractors. And it seems like uh, ludicrous that, that that would be some eroticism. So these bodies are like that too. They're, it's tractors interacting with one another. It's a, it's a machine, basically. So, the, the happiness that we're looking for is on a subtle level. It's, a, it's aesthetic, it's emotional. And we're built for that because we're humans. And Krishna likes humans, by the way. It's in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So, if you were feeling a little down, uh, down today, you can be happy now because Krishna likes you, because you're human. Say, Haribol. Haribol. <laughs> so, uh, There are basic practices that anyone can take up and can taste this sense of happiness that comes from pleasing Krishna's senses. And one of the best-kept secrets that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to tell the world about was that you can have that interaction with Krishna directly at any time through the process of chanting his names. So let's say you're very thirsty and you're trying to get a glass of water, which is what I'm thinking about right now myself. And so I'll wait till the end of the story. And you ask somebody for a glass of water. Thank you. And they said, you can get it. It's up in the clouds, help yourself. Or let's say you met somebody who said, I'm very thirsty, I want a glass of water. And they said, well, there's flash floods that come here every once in a while through the desert. Just get your cup, you can be there at the right time. Or let's say you ask for a glass of water and they say, there's an aquifer underground. You just dig for it. You can find it. You can get a glass of water there. Not very good. So some people say, I have the desire to come in contact with supreme happiness. I want to know who God is. And someone will say, he's in heaven. Where is heaven? It's out of my reach, actually. Or someone says, I want to find God. I want to make that spiritual connection. And someone tells you, you wait for an avatar to come. They come every few million years to the world. How how will you arrange that? Or you meet a yogi and you say, "Uh, I also want to know God. And the yogi says, he's in your heart. You just have to sit down in a cave. Give up your worldly occupation and focus for the next 10,000 years. And maybe you can see the tips of the toes of the Lord who resides within the heart. You have 10,000 years? Three people said no. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that you want water, you take it, it's in the palm of your hand, you can just drink it like this by chanting the names of Krishna. All the names of God have this potency Nam Nam Akari Bahuda Sarva Shaktis. Immediately, you get this. And it also is a kind of service. This is a, a famous verse from the Padma Purana, which says, namadi, Krishnanamadi nabhaved grayam indriye sevamukhi jivado eva spratyada. Amazing. Yoga begins with the tongue. The tongue is like the rudder. If you don't have a rudder in a boat, it doesn't go uh, any way that you desire it to go. And so the, the Padma Purana says you can start your yoga practice by using your tongue. And the best way to use your tongue is to repeat the names of the Supreme. It goes like this. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And this is a kind of service to the Supreme Amazingly, And it's also the first step, the gateway to perfection in yoga. The verse, I'll say it again. Which means that you can't understand the Supreme through your blunt material senses, no matter what you do. However, if you start serving him, beginning with your tongue, then he'll be pleased to reveal himself to you. And that's what Lord Chaitanya taught as a process that the whole world could take up. So there's two parts to the Hare Krishna movement. It's really simple. Should I teach them to you? Yes. Okay. Number one is over here and it's Chan Hare Krishna. What's number one? (laughs) Correct. Number two is teach others. What's number two? Now we're going to have a quiz. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. You ready? Okay, number one. Number two. Number one. Number two. Number one. Number two. One. One. Now, if I wake you up at one o'clock in the morning tonight, Of course, many of you probably stay up all night, get ready for the wedding. And I say, what's the Hare Krishna movement? You'll say? That's simple. That can be passed on. So, just take some time every day to focus the mind and the heart on chanting Hare Krishna. If you have any problems, anybody here have any problems? One, two, three, four... Some of you don't have your hand up. I'm going to come move in. (laughs) If you have any problems, if you have any worries, you still got your hand up. (laughs) then... You chant Hare Krishna. And if all else fails, and it will, chant Hare Krishna. This is the very focused teaching of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There's not a lot of moving parts. And it's simple... And we are spiritual. And real happiness comes from contact with Krishna. And you can make contact with Krishna by chanting, Hare Krishna. Problem solved. Yay! We win. Hare bowl. And now we'll see if you have any reflections or questions. A reflection means anything you heard from the monologue that's stuck in your mind. And a question is something purposeful to expand the conversation. Probably. Okay. It, it's in the Bhakti Sandarbha Jiva Goswami Sakshitva. It talks about witnesshood. And there's a way that when we come to Knowledge, which Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita where he says which means that real knowledge means to know the difference between yourself the spiritual soul and the body the body is called the field of activities and we're the knower of the field and when you're able to Remove yourself from the the maelstrom of the material world in which you're carried away by your life situation and you think in terms of mine and you're able to see and witness that I'm not my body, I'm actually a resident within the body and all these things that I'm interacting with are things. They're not my things. They're paraphernalia to be used in service. This is a foundational position of self-realization that can be achieved by chanting Hare Krishna and using whatever we have, whatever resources we have in service to Krishna. Thank you. Yes? I really like the point where you mentioned about uh, the human get in touch or get in contact to find happiness and uh, they discriminate uh, basically they develop discrimination to find out whether they are in, in um, so to find the happiness, they are in Krishna conscious or not or they are going beyond, uh, they are trying to develop more sense, basically they are trying to develop more, uh, find out more happiness by getting in touch of the other uh, sense objects. So they are developing the discrimination so that they can do the good for themselves and be in Krishna consciousness. Yeah, it's a well-known principle in the world of delayed gratification. When one is able to delay gratification, there's a fruit. And that fruit is you get perspective and you're able to see what really matters. When the senses demand something and you're able to put them off, then all types of progress takes place. And of course, senses Krishna recommends in the Bhagavad Gita, that you live a balanced life. He said, don't eat too much and don't eat too little. Don't sleep too much and don't sleep too little. Don't collect too much and don't collect too little. Have just what you need so you can live a healthy life. You need vitality. And with that vitality, use it to come in contact with Krishna and also give it to other people. And if you, if you live a life like that, then you'll always be happy, no matter where you go. Doesn't matter what the external environment is. It's dependent on our consciousness. How about a few more? Yes. Well, one, one thing, you can keep it going, the giving. Books are, I said earlier, and I'll say it again because I love saying it, books are beloved in human society. People like books. And they, they have a, a drive to want to know things. If you notice anywhere, mostly now it's electronic. Nirkul and I were flying to Europe a few weeks ago and we were in the San Francisco airport and we looked around. There must have been 250 people in the terminal waiting to get on the flight we were going to get on. And we noticed that every single one of them was looking at a screen. There wasn't one person that wasn't looking at a screen. There's something in there that we're searching for. And in previous ages or previous years, decades, people would look into a magazine, a book, something to try to find. So it's a delivery system that is very handy and the great teachers of bhakti who were concerned with seeing uh, that human society is suffering due to low consciousness and they devised ways uh, did the great teachers of bhakti to inculcate uh, spiritual principles into society and one of the ways is by distributing books letting people take that knowledge for themselves. They can poke their nose in it and they'll look at it. And even if they don't get it the first time, sometimes people look at it later and then it speaks to them. So one thing that you can do is carry books with you. So a little homework. If you get a few books, for instance, uh, Ratatvaj Swami, wherever he goes, he always keeps... The perfection of yoga in his bag and he has miraculous stories about traveling anywhere he goes and he'll make sure that anyone he has an interaction with that seems where he sees an opening he'll make sure they get a perfection of yoga now that changes an ordinary trip to the store to looking at your environment and thinking like who is that person gonna be <coughs> whenever I I leave a Hare Krishna temple to go to the airport if i'm fortunate enough i get one of these garlands and i've been pretty lucky lately getting garlands i got two of them tonight (laughs) so my rule is when i walk into for instance lax or the orange county airport the first person to ask me about it gets the garland can somebody open the door can we get more air is oxygen available just a cross ventilation. And that makes the trip to the airport much more adventurous and exciting than just standing there and thinking like, when's this flying living room going to take off? And if you think about all the time how to teach others, how to make sure that other people come in contact with Krishna consciousness, then you escape the, the small universe of of the mind that tends to become morose. Have you ever noticed that? Nobody else, just me. I sit home and mope most of the time and think like, woe is me, I can't do anything. What's wrong with me? But when I'm in the mood of thinking, how can I do good for others? Then I become happy naturally. So it's a good strategy. And if then you research and you figure out the best thing that you can do for people, which is what sages do. Which sages can you think of who attended, I'll give it away, a thousand year seminar, thinking about how to do good, the best they could for everybody in the world, all living entities. For 500 points. Okay, (laughs) Dameshwar. Suta Goswami, the sages of Naimashanya. Srimad Bhagavatam starts off with the sages at Naimashanya. They went there for a little seminar for a thousand years and the topic was how can we do the best we can for all the living entities in the world what's the best thing that we can possibly do for them and the answer is to give them a connection to Krishna and so we can do that we're really lucky sometimes there's eras in history where there's some philosophical system that's available but not everyone's invited to distribute it sometimes it's restricted only certain class of people can distribute it. However, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, our movement under Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is different. He says, Okay, everyone's deputized. Were you even aware that you've been deputized? Everyone's aware? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, and he said, I deputize everybody to distribute Krishna consciousness, so now you're eligible. So, no one can stop you. And if you decide you want to give it to other people, then you can devise means of doing it. And that's one of the ways to be very happy, is to think of ways to give the transcendental vibration to others. I don't think I even answered your question, but... Yeah? Okay, good. We'll just take two more. Prabhu. because it begins with the holy name, it ends with the holy name. The means and the end are not different than the beginning. There's a through line. Like you said, there are not many moving parts. We chant, we chant, we chant. Thank you. Srila Prabhupada was given a a cartoon that came out around the time that he was in New York City teaching Krishna consciousness to people and sending devotees out to teach it to others and there was a man sitting with his wife and she was the the wife was saying to her husband chant 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 and he was saying can't 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 <laughs> the, the, the energy one uses to say, I can't, 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 which becomes the foundation of a whole society, which is trying to avoid thinking about God and trying to be independent. It becomes nonproductive. And the same energy could have been used to just give in to the chanting and chant, chant, chant. And that's a simple process. Okay, we're down to the last one. Yes? convince someone who is reluctant to chant how do you convince somebody who is reluctant to chant what does the word reluctant mean where does it come from who has an etymological dictionary for ten, 10 points 20 points reluctant can you just be reluctant and not reluctant Okay, where does it come from? Mid 17th century. century. Offering opposition. Offering opposition. What? Writhing. Writhing? Yeah, W-R-I-T-H. That sounds severe. <laughs> okay, so the answer is, you. You're not supposed to present Krishna consciousness to people who are writhing or who are reluctant. So this is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Ishvare Bali Dusatsucha, Prima Maitri Kripopiksha, Yakaroti So one of the sages, Havyogendra says there's different kinds of people in the world, they have different dispositions. They're all souls in different bodies and they have different attitudes and dispositions. So he names four entities and how we should interact with them for a better life. Are you ready? Say yes. yes. Okay. First one is Krishna, Ishvade. Krishna is the supreme controller. So what how should you interact with Krishna? Prema. You should develop love for him, says Havyogendra. Then Yishvade means the devotees, the Vaishnavas. So what should you do with the Vaishnavas? Maitri, you should make friends. Appropriate friendships with the devotees. So that's two, right? And the next comes those who are innocent and open. They want to hear about Krishna. They may not know who he is or what you're talking about at first, but at least they're a little open. Did you ever meet anybody like that? Okay, they're called bali sheshu. Bali means like a child. Innocent like a child, like open to hearing something. And so for them, you should give kripa. Kripa means mercy. As open as they are, pour in as much as you can. And then Dwisatsu means people who are reluctant. Or they're actually against what you're teaching. They don't like it at all. They don't, they don't want to hear it. So, you should be Upeksha or don't engage them, says the Bhagavatam. Because if you try to force it on them, then they'll become more inimical. They won't like it. Now there's a scale, uh, a little meter that I invented, how you can be successful in presenting Krishna Consciousness wherever you go. And it guarantees that you'll be successful every time you go out to distribute books or present Krishna Consciousness any place at any time. But we've run out of time, so I can't tell you about it. I'm really sorry. Thank you very much, everybody. Oh, all right. Okay, you're clapping. So (laughs) here's how it works. Should I tell you how it works? Scale goes from 1 to 10. And so, from between zero and five. Now, there's a there's a way that you can look at somebody. Let's just say I go out on the PCH, and I'll stand there, and I'll do it. Don't tempt me. I'll go out right now, and stand on the corner, and I will uh, greet people, and just say, "Hi, everyone." Try it. Say, look at somebody, and say hi. hi. Was everyone friendly, nice to you? Okay. They're way up on the, on the spectrum, on the scale. So between zero and five means they're really reluctant. They're not into you. They don't wanna talk. Like zeros, like they, they pretend that you don't exist. Have you ever had that happen? You go, hi, and someone, it's not like they say, get lost, or they say, I'm not interested. They just pretend like you don't exist. Have you ever had that? Yeah. I've had it happen. It really hurts. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. So then you'll start noticing up on the scale, if you just stand there doing an experiment tonight, and you just stand there and go, hi, 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 the people walking by, you'll notice that there are people on different parts of the scale. So once they go up to about a 5.1, that means they start to break through and they kind of like, instead of that smile where they don't show their teeth like,
1: don't you hate that too?
0: <laughs> You're not smiling. <laughs> but actually, the teeth show through and they go like that. You go high and they go, that's like a 5.1. And you start to know there's an opening here. I can talk to this person. And you start getting up to, you know, six, seven, eight, and people, they'll come to you. It's like, hey, what are you doing? Where'd you get these? We went out in Denver, Colorado, this is many years ago, with a group of of devotees to distribute books on the outdoor mall in Boulder, Colorado. So there was one devotee uh, with us, he was a brahmachari, wearing saffron and and a shaved head, and he was from, I think, Burma, or some exotic place in the east, and he looked kind of like a monk, because he was a monk, but he especially looked like, because of his countenance and so he really didn't want to go out he was not into it even though I was teaching the devotees that you just get 10 no's in a row and then, you, then, then you're a success and there were 10 no's, I can do that okay. so, but he didn't even want to do that so he went way down the mall and I could see him sitting about 200 yards down the mall on a bench and moping and I don't want to be here but he had his book stacked next to him and I went on teaching everyone else how to get 10 no's in a row, which is impossible practically. And then uh, I looked down there and I saw he was interacting with somebody. Our mopey little brahmachari. And he was, he was interacting with somebody. And I was like, what the heck is going on down there? So as I, I went down there to investigate and I, there was some lady and now she was holding all the books. And... I said, what happened? He said, she came over to me and she said, are you a monk? And I said, I guess so. And he, <laughs> and he said, are these your books? And he goes, yeah, they, I guess they are. And she said, can I see them? And she started going through and said, can I give you a donation for these? And he said, she gave me a hundred dollars. Next thing, he was up and engaged, moving from one person to the next all over the mall. And when it was time to go home, we were like, would you get in the van? He wouldn't get in. He wouldn't come home. That lady was about a 9.6 on the scale. If she was a 10, she would have gotten the van. (laughs) So teaching Krishna consciousness is about selection we look, we see where it's a conscious connection with people to develop a relationship that we can benefit with them, them with. Not that we think we're something great, but we're carrying something great. And therefore we're looking for an opening. Where can I put this where there's a home for it, where it'll expand and the person will become benefit. That's what we're into. And that's nice. That's a good lifestyle. And so if you go out and you keep your radar open all the time, carry something with you that you can give to people, whether it's garlands or you can take prasadam. There's no law here in Laguna Beach that you can't pass out prasadam wherever you go. Did you know that? They lifted the ban here on giving out prasadam a long time ago. So if you want to carry prasadam and you just happen to go to your bank teller and bank teller says, how are you? And you said, pretty good. Here you go, and you give your bank teller a nice cookie, what'll happen? Nothing bad. You go back the next time when you're making deposit deposit withdrawal and you give the same bank teller a cookie, what'll happen? Nothing bad. You go back the third time and you give a cookie and the bank teller will say, who are you? <laughs> what do you do? What's your lifestyle? Nobody gives cookies three times in a row, purposefully, deliberately coming in here like that. And then you hand her the book. And when you see an opening, fill it. That's the, that's the game. You just look everywhere, carry things around with you that, where you can benefit people. You have a delivery system. And just look for it. Look for the openings, wherever it is. If you see a, a spark, fan it. Say, can I get that to go? And that's our preoccupation in Krishna consciousness. And if you do that all the time, then you're always aware that what's most important in this world is, is the conscious energy, the souls in this world. And now we really have come to an end. And thank you, everyone, very much for coming out tonight for this event. Hare Krishna. <laughs>